Immediately a man was nailed to the cross, he lost all his rights. And if you ever get nailed to the cross, you'll lose all yours too. We love ourselves so much. And who are, we, who are we talking about now? Unbelievers? No. So-called believers who have never understood what it is to take up the cross and put self to death. See, because in the last days there's going to be very little preaching about the cross and death to self-life. It's almost unheard of in most churches today and never heard of in Christian television. And so, when there's no preaching against death on death to self, Self is going to flourish in the lives of many Christians. They won't even know that you cannot follow Jesus if you love yourself. I don't ask people if they're saved anymore. Who isn't saved? From the White House to the Jailhouse. <clears throat> I look a person in the eye and say, Does Christ live in you? I was saved. In, I didn't ask you that. I'm asking you, is Christ, does Christ live in you? Christianity is the only religion in the world where a man's God comes and lives inside of him. Thanks be to God that when I finally acknowledge that I can't do this, it's not possible for me to live the Christian life on my own. I, I'm not called to chart my own course. I'm not called to create my own destiny and ask God to bless it. I'm called to follow Him. I'm called to give up the rights to my life and walk with the Holy Savior. I'm called to let His mind be formed in me. His life become my life. His ways become my ways. His purpose become my purpose. His plan become my plan. And then the power of God will come upon me. Good afternoon and welcome to the Removing Confusion podcast. I'm Tom Richardson. It is no- it's November the... 7th 2022 <clears throat> we've got one day well less than that hours even before we go to the polls to vote for our senators congressmen governors whatever the case may be and i can only tell you <clears throat> that is one of the most important things as an american citizen that you can do don't take any guff from anybody Don't let them tell you it doesn't mean anything. It's something that we should do. If you're capable, do it. Today we're going to continue our venture into 1 Peter. We will be starting a new chapter, chapter 3. It shouldn't take us that long to get through this one as it has the first couple. But still, we want to treat the Word of God with the respect that it is due. And we are going to do just that. I'm going to let a song play. It's called Take Up Your Cross by the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir.
There is some good advice, and it comes straight from the Word of God and put into song and music by the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir. Take up your cross and follow him. Take up your cross daily. Deny yourself and follow him. That is the entirety of that verse, and I'm paraphrasing. I don't have it right in front of me, but that is what it says, you know, that we are to die to self. We are to mortify, therefore, the flesh. We are to set aside those things that pull us further away from God. I can tell you, <clears throat> several years ago, I was involved with a uh, a group we'd put on uh Christian concerts, I guess you could call it. We they were mostly contemporary, local contemporary uh, guys that uh, or and gals that would come and sing and play, and and we had a good time. But we had a lot of static, I guess, is a good way to put it in the background. You know, when you're part of the board or part of the uh, uh, foundation of one of these things like this, you know, it's, there's always this one wants to do this and this one wants to do that. And there's me and my buddy, Mike, that you've heard on our program several times. I've been on with him on his as well. We, we were, we were kind of the stanchion pins. We did a lot of the, the leg work, the footwork, the, uh, and you know, it, it seemed like <clears throat> we got kind of frustrated at times. I went, uh, me and him got on the phone, talked a little bit about some things that are going on. I said, Mike, I got to take a walk. I just got to, I got to walk this off. And I went out and I started walking and praying, walking and praying. And it was like, you know, people say you can't hear an audible voice of God. Well, I'll tell you what, you can hear in your spirit an audible voice of God. Because I heard as plain as day uh, in my spirit or in my ears, however it may be, uh, I don't question God how he does things, but I heard the very words that came to me that I'm going to tell you about right now is if it takes you away from me, run from it. So in, in that, I took it that the strife that was building up around our situation and, and it worked out, it, it worked out in the end, it worked out fine, but it was just, you know, one of those things that where there was a little bit of tension and a little bit of problem and, and we just had to work our way through it, and we did. And that's just, you know, when, when you submit yourself to God, when you subjugate yourself over to him and, and, and you know, get away from yourself, you know, and say, look, I, I can't handle this. I don't, know, I don't know what it is that I'm doing, but I obviously am not doing it the way I should. Lord, what can I do? And he will, he will he'll reach out to you. You'll, you have to listen sometimes, and that's the subject of that. Now, <clears throat> let's get on with first, first Peter chapter 3. Now, as we've seen as we go through this epistle, you know, the, the, the reoccurring theme is, is very plain and very, very pure. It's Peter's just telling people, look, strive towards godly living. Strive towards godly living. You know, understand, Jesus took on our sins at Calvary. He went to the cross for us. Yet his entire life, he never sinned. Not one time. Not when he was on earth, he never sinned. Not one time. He was tempted in everything that we've been tempted in. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, 
the abundant pride of life. Those are the three things that Satan or his minions always come after you and I as Christians. Lust of the eyes. It looks good, doesn't it? Doesn't have to be uh, someone of the opposite sex that looks good to you. It could be anything. It could be anything that's not godly. Anything, you know, wow, I really need that new car. I'm going to go so deep in debt to buy it. I use cars as an example. I'm not really a car guy. You know, but I got a perfectly good 10 year old truck. What do I need a new car for? Paint's peeling off the fender, but I don't care. I love my truck. It runs well, and the Lord takes care of it. You see, here's the thing. That's what happened, and Jesus was tempted in all these things, and I I guarantee it wasn't just one temptation in the desert. It it was over and over again through his life. The the Bible doesn't recount that, but we know he's a man. You know, when when he's... He's doing the wonderful things he did. He gave, all the, he gave all the glory to his father. He didn't say, look what I did. Even though, you know, it was him. It was him with the, the father, father God working through him. They, they worked in conjunction of each other. They, there was, you know, he went off to pray. He did all the things that, you know, we should do more often. When it says, you know, pick up, take up your cross and follow him, you know, it's like Leonard Ravenhill said in the beginning of my opening today, you know, when a man was nailed to the cross, he lost all of his life, his rights. And if we ever get ourselves nailed to the cross, we'll lose ours too. Our rights to whom? Not to the people around us, to, the, to God. Give up that, that mantle of responsibility for everything. Jesus was that perfect sacrifice. He's the only one that could be. He's the only one that could take our wretched, sinful existence and make it acceptable to God, acceptable to his consuming presence. You know, we talk so, I don't. I I honestly, I'm going to say I don't. I don't talk about, well, when I get to heaven, people are going to come looking for me. Uh, no, maybe later. First of all, um, you know, it's not a family reunion. It's not a, Hey, look, there's that guy that led me to the Lord reunion. It's first of all, you got to step before the judgment seat of Christ and account for the things that you've done in this body. Now, if it's the mercy seat, let's put it that way, not the judgment at the white throne judgment that doesn't come for a thousand years but like the mercy seat of god of christ yeah we'll account for the things we did or did not do in this body now let's let's <laughs> we better get into it or we'll go nowhere today in first peter chapter three and you know I, I i've said before the reason why we're here i had a I had a very Tom-inspired way of doing what I wanted to do here uh, as I started deeper Bible study. I was going to take certain things like many in the few. Me and Mike talked about that. We, we will probably still do that when he gets a little less busy with his ministry. But we, we uh, that's the kind of thing. I, I'm going to many in the few and, and 
you know, uh, swimming across Jordan, whatever the case may be, you know, let's talk about heaven and what the Bible actually says about it so we can clear up some of the mysteries that are there that most preachers say there's nobody knows what it really is. But, and we don't know to the furthest degree, but we know the Bible talks quite a bit about our other home. But God pushed me towards First Peter. And I think the reason was is because it talks about godly living. Peter's writing to the, the, uh, the folks out there and talking about godly living, holy living, living pure, keeping your conversation in good report. So let's get into it. Now, the first first verse right off the bat in First Peter chapter 3, if you have your Bible open with me, I hope you do. If you don't, I'm going to read you a bunch of it anyway. But likewise, he says, Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if, <clears throat> that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives, while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. That's a, you know, a lot of times when, you know, in the new area we live in where folks are more, you know, well, I'm a woman and I'm not going to subject myself to any man kind of thing. You know, you hear a lot of that stuff. God's not saying, hey, you know, you need to, you need to bend over backwards and do exactly what the man says. That's not exactly what it completely means. But what he is saying is, you know, you are a godly woman. And as a godly woman, you know, you subject yourself to your husband. And even if he is not saved, if he doesn't obey the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wise. Now, it says conversation. We've talked about that before, I think. Conversation simply doesn't mean talking back and forth. It means, although that's part of it, it does mean the way you carry yourself, your manner of living before God. If you live your life in a, in a godly manner and you Subject yourself to God in front of your husband who may not know God or may not know Christ. By your actions, he may be saved. He may never open a Bible. I'll tell you what, when I got saved, it's kind of how it happened. I wasn't reading the Bible. My, my, my first wife did quite often. She didn't really talk to me about it, though. But I had a, a girl I worked with that constantly talked about it. Now, she wasn't <laughs> not considering her my wife, but she constantly spoke about the Bible. She constantly witnessed to me. She constantly was driving me crazy. And the Lord worked through both actions, the action of the wife and the action of people outside of that category. And it worked. I'm, I'm proud. I'm glad it did, trust me, or I would have probably been dead by now and scalding in hell. 
and, and honestly, you know, you, you, you stay away. You try to run away from God and get it, get as far away as you can. And, and, you know, it doesn't, doesn't work out when God wants to get a hold of you. He's going to get a hold of you. <clears throat> now here's the important thing as well. You know, it says to the woman should be in subjection to her husband. You know, that, that always sets a tone, you know, right off the bat. Um, Paul also wrote first, first Corinthians 11 and verse three, but I would have, you know, that the head of every man is Christ and the head of the woman is the man and the head of Christ and the head of Christ is God. So just chop off the head of the woman is the man because I know it's not popular, but it's what it says. But Paul says, I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ. Those that are saved, if you're saved and you think that you're running the whole show, you better wake up. Ephesians 5.22, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is ahead of the wife, even as Christ is ahead of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Now listen to that. The head, the, the 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 husband is the head of the Christ. Oh, goodness gracious! The husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. Now, Christ Jesus does not come in and like rule the church with an iron fist. You know, no, he does it lovingly. He does it meekly. He does it the way that it's supposed to be. It's a perfect example how Christ operates within the church, keeping the peace, keeping people from tearing each other apart. So there we have it. You know, and this, this thing about women subjecting to the man, it doesn't mean you're to be his slave. It just means, hey, He's the husband, you're the wife. And, and the husband, don't get that idea, too, that you think you're the big shot. You're not. You're not. You may be called the head of the family you, you, because of the uh, being the stronger vessel, the weaker vessel. We, you know, that, that'll pop up here for too long. <clears throat> but, you know, there's a lot of women that are godly women and a lot of men who aren't. I know of what, you know, you could call it a mixed marriage where the husband is unsaved and the wife is. And through that wife and her praying and her behavior and her church attendance, sooner or later he comes on board. Now, sometimes it doesn't happen. doesn't happen. You know, this is, this is one of those things. It's a little bit of a difficult subject in 2022 to, to broach, but a godly woman, a godly woman understands, you know, if you're married, he's your husband and the husband, she's your wife. You're supposed to treat her like Christ treats the church. Now go into a lot of the deep water on on the church being the body the church being the bride i believe the church is the body of christ and this when he kind of equates marriage in there but let's just leave that as it is let's go on 
uh, before I get in too much trouble and you turn me off completely. And, and trust me, I'm not, I'm not advocating for uh, you wives, you know, be subjection to your own husband. You know, yeah, you don't want to be subjection to somebody else's husband, do you? No, you, you, subjection just means, look, we can work together. And we need to work together. We're a team. And teams work together. First uh, Peter 3, 3. Whose adorning, let it not be that outward adorning of plating of hair and the wearing of gold and, or the, of the putting on of apparel. But let it be hidden, let it, let it be the hidden man of the heart in which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God a great price. Now, so much is taken out of context here. You know, he's saying, when they behold your chaste appearance coupled with fear, you know, that's the husband sees the woman is, you know, living a manner that is fitting to God. Now he goes into, you know, you're, you're adorning, let it not be all the glitz and glamour, the, all the, the perfume and the, it says the plating of the hair and the wearing of gold and the putting on of apparel, you know, look, oh, look at me how hot. Everything's in perfect place. Now, you, you know what? You want to look nice. Ladies always want to look nice. Don't blame them. Don't put so much stock in it. it you know, there's churches and pastors, supposed pastors, talkers in pulpits that go into this whole thing of you can't wear anything, no no earrings, no necklaces, no gold, no silver, no blah, blah, blah. He doesn't really say that. He says, don't put so much stock in it. Put more stock, ladies and gentlemen, in verse number four. But let it be that the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the adornment of a, of, of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. So, you know, work, work more on your inner, your inner look. I know people who may be very attractive on the outside, and on the inside, it's like a trash dump. At one point in time, I probably was as well. Some people probably still think I am. That's self-deprecation, humor, forget that. But the thing of it is, is here's the thing. You know, you can wear your rings. Don't let it become you, though. Don't let it become the whole of you or gold, you know. Don't, it's not to show off. You know, God wants you to work more on your inner person. The meek and quiet spirit which is in the sight of God of great price. For after this manner in the old times, the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves being in subjection under their own husbands. Again, the subjection of their own husbands comes up. And in verse 6, we get to hear about some of them. Even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are, as long as ye do well, and are not afraid with any amazement. Like I say, there's there's some stuff here that, you know, I'm breezing over it pretty quick because 
it's it's important. But if this isn't an admonishment of what you wear or what you look like. It's if that is what consumes you. If that is what consumes you. Um, there's, there's some really good Bible verses for you husbands as well that, you know, honor your wife. Okay? Proverbs 5, 15 through 18. Malachi 2, 16 which is basically it hate, God hates the putting away or the divorce of 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 married couples. Colossians Colossians 3:19 love your wives be not better to them or a buffer to them. But anyway, Ephesians 5:25 and 26 washing in the water of the word. You know, if you don't know the word husband you're not doing your husbandly work. You know, when we have the ability to use the word of God in a proper manner, when things are not going the way they should be or when things get out of whack, so to speak, Ephesians 5.26 says, you know, washing in the water of the word. Use the water of the word, the pure water of God's word, to wash away the grime of problems in our lives and in, and sin and all the other things. Sometimes those things creep in. We don't know it. Um, verse 7, 1 Peter 3, verse 7, Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers be not hindered. Treat your wives good, man. Treat treat them like Christ treats the church. Didn't we say that already? I think we did say that. And there's Proverbs 5. And 15, drink waters out of thine own cistern and running waters out of thine own well. Let thy fountains be dispersed abroad and rivers of waters into the streets. Let them be only thine own and not strangers with thee. Let thy fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife of thy youth. Let her be as the loving hind and pleasant roe let her breast satisfy thee at all times, and be thou ravished always with her love. See, now, the, the, oh, that sounds a little risque. Well, that's the Bible. Live with it. But what he's saying is, you know, husband, when you look upon your wife, he's looking upon the, the, the most precious of all things that you could ever, shall we say in, in scare quotes, possess. She's given herself to you to be with for life, and that is what it is supposed to be. Not five wives. You know, when, when you know, we talked about this couple, me and a guy at church the other day, about how there were all these, you know, David had all these wives and, Solomon had so many wives, and I, said, I told the fellow, I said, look, you know, that was not God's idea. That was man's idea. And God allowed it at a certain time in the old, old days 
to help further the race of man. But he cut it off at a certain point, and they continued to do it. Now, if you think about David, you know he had a lot of family problems. He had uh, one son that raped a daughter. We had one son that tried to usurp his throne right out from underneath him, Absalom, who had no, it wasn't his to, to even think about, but he was trying to take David down. And he almost tried to kill him. It was Solomon's throne. Solomon had his own problems. But see, here's that's the thing is, you know, these things were, were not what God wanted going on. He wanted one man and one wife, period. <clears throat> Slowly we're working our way away from the uh, the couple's counseling period of this scripture and into something uh, in verse 3 or in verse 9 of 1 Peter 3. Not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise blessing, knowing that ye are, are thereunto called that ye should inherit a blessing. Now we're going to park there for a while because in the day that we live in is so easy to, you know, back in their day, you know, as you gossiped with the people around town, you know, but now gossip is wide open across platforms of the internet. We have telephones, we've got a radio, we got everything. And it's like I say, wide open. And a lot of things can be said. A lot of things can be done rendering evil for evil. Okay. Somebody does you wrong. Peter's telling us here, don't think just because they did that you should. Don't render evil for evil or railing for railing. This is, this is by far one of the, the worst things that can go on in our society. It's the breakdown of society. when you know Because there's always going to be disagreements between people, and they can get so blown out of proportion, and they can be caused so much problem and so much angst and hate. We're going to go back a chapter. First Peter 2 and 21. For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow his steps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to the judgment righteously. The word righteously has the first, uh, what is it, five letters, right, right. He did rightly, righteously. Can, can not the judge of all things do that which is right? 
Can't the righteous judge always be right, do right? That's our example. Our example is Christ. And, you know, we can say whatever we want. And we I hear it all the time. Wow, I, Jesus, he could, yeah, he was tempted in all the same things and went to the cross for you and me for no reason at all except to redeem our sins. Matthew 5, 39, but I say unto you that ye resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. How many times you heard that one? Get hit on the right cheek, turn to the left. 544, Matthew 544, but I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you. Pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. How easy is that, folks? There's your example. That's what he's saying. You know, just because somebody tears you apart out there in webland doesn't mean you should return the favor. There are many times that I have typed things out on the Facebook to someone who just railed on me. Usually they're supposedly Christian brothers. Uh, and I, I, you know, just, I can't type that fast, but when you make somebody mad, then you can type like crazy man. I got to the end, I looked at it, and before I could hit that return or enter button, I just said, you know what, delete. It ain't worth it. That's what they want. So they can say, look at this guy, look what he did. You know, and especially now, you know, this is, this is, these were the days before, I don't do a lot of Facebook, and I've told you that before. If, if you're a Facebook friend of mine, and you don't notice that maybe I forgot your birthday. It's not that I forgot or I missed it. I, well, I missed it because I don't go on there that often. It's a it's it's a hellscape a lot of times of nothing but backstabbing and hate and evil and railing. You know, and if you don't know what any of those words mean, like railing for railing, that means railing against someone. You know, turning your sharp tongue against somebody. And some people will say, well, I used the Bible when I did it. Well, you know, you're also not supposed to use the word of God as a bludgeoning tool. Sometimes we need to be able to point out sin through the word of God to people. Or repentance things that don't get talked about in churches very often. And, oh, yeah, they, oh, is there sin in your life? Yeah, whatever. That's great. But, you know, point it out, not, not personally, but, you know, the things that Peter's doing here in his epistle. He said, you're finally, you're, we're supposed to be of one mind, having compassion, one of another. Love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrariwise blessing. 
knowing that ye are thereunto called. What does that say? Bring a blessing. Be a blessing, knowing that ye are thereunto called, that ye should inherit a blessing. If you want to get blessed, you got to learn to do blessing. This is hard stuff to us humans, little measly humans. We like strife sometimes. We like trouble. You know, it's like it gives us a little something to live for. But if you had blessings coming, and you know what? In this life, not everything's going to be peaches and ice cream. Every once in a while, things get ugly because we are sinful human beings. We have a sin nature, but we also have a God who will help us to overcome it if we spend more time in his word listening to what he says. Verse 10, for he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Again, what is the message? Who is our example always? Jesus Christ. That when he went before his accusers, he was like a sheep before the shears. He had he said nothing. They accused him of blasphemy. They accused him of all kinds of sin. They accused him of all kinds of things that he did not do. And he said nothing. He told Pilate, you know, you, you don't have the power that you think you do. You're only going to be able to take me down. You're only going to be able to put me on the cross if my father lets it happen. It is good to know this Bible. It is good to know it. To refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Again, who was this man? Jesus. How did he do it? Well, oh, well, he's God. No, he was a man as well. 100% man, 100% God. He was in constant communion with the Father. He knew what his task set before him was. In the garden, did he not pray, let this cup pass from me? He wasn't trying to get out of doing what he knew he had to do, go to the cross. What a horrible way to die. Even that which led up to it, beating and spitting and false accusing. Most of us wouldn't even make it through that. But no, he said, therefore let your will be done. He was just saying, you know, if Lord, God, Father, if there's a way, you know, other than this, an easier way out, not for, not for Jesus. He wasn't saying, is there an easier way out for me? 
Is there an easier way out for them, the people? But there wasn't. Verse 10. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Verse 11. That let him eschew, put aside, thrust away evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. You know, sometimes, again, I think it's it's because when things are going good, when things are rosy and smooth, it's all kind of boring. You know, this life, we need a little something to shake things up, huh? Get us back into the, into the get, you know, get our groove back, whatever. But it's better if we can shove away evil. Get a, evil, get away from me. And do good. When everybody else is saying, hey, did you hear what he said? Do you hear what she said? you see what she did? you see what he did? Just say, you know what? Let's just forget it. Let's just forget it. And do good. You do good. You eschew evil. You be the Christly, godly example to others. I got away from my political ranting and raving and going on about shots and COVID and everything else because it's dragging me down. I, I, I went deep into studying the Bible, deeper into listening to men who, you know, we can talk about it here and there where it needs be. But revelation comes to you when you start to really study Stick your nose into the Bible and find those people again. I've dug up a lot of these guys, and some of them are passed on now. Leonard Ravenhill, and Dave Wilkerson, Carter Conlon, who took over for Dave Wilkerson. He's the senior pastor at Times Square Church. And, you know, people are going to say, oh, I know about him. There's things about, hey, there's things about everybody. Don't point your finger at somebody else. You've got four fingers pointing back at you. Okay, so just remember that. He said this. Well, he might have said something. You know, every every preacher says something sooner or later that just doesn't quite hit the hit the mark, you know. As long as they can admit it themselves. But l- listen to me. The, the, going back and looking up these, you know, you got YouTube and you got Rumble and all the other video sites out there. You got audio sites. You've got places where you can download entire books by John Bunyan written 400 years ago. And, and, you know, people say, well, he's a Calvinist, whatever. I don't care. Did he write good books? Uh, uh, um, C.S. Lewis, his stuff's a little deeper. You got to watch it when you're reading his. You, it's kind of hard. You get wrapped up and, and wow, do you know what he's saying? Because he was such a, 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 a philosopher, a Christian philosopher. Um, Francis Francis Schaeffer, and a lot of people don't like him, but he wrote a book and he did a video series on how then should we live. And that's what Peter's talking about through his epistle. How then should we live? He says in a nutshell here in, in verse 11 of chapter 3, let, let you, I'm going to say this, let us 
eschew evil, throw evil away, do good. Let let it, let's seek after peace. Now we know this world there's never going to be peace on the common plane. There's always war, there's murders, there's rapes, there's suicides, there's drug abuse and all that. But in the middle of that we should seek peace in our lives. Pursue it. Pursue peace. Verse 12, for, this is why you do it, for the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are opened unto their prayers, and the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. Now listen to me, Christian. You can do evil just as good as the evil ones can. And you'll have those guys that will tell you, well, it doesn't make any difference if you do. You're saved forever. No, well, listen to me. <laughs> uh, we can fight that one out another day. Let's just stay with the fact that uh, it's better to understand that you are, I, I, I use this terminology before, I'm an audience of one. When I preach, teach, sing, whatever, an audience of one. What I say, what I do, how I act in public, I am an audience to God first and then everybody else. The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is his delight. Proverbs 15, 8. The Lord is far from the wicked, but he heareth the prayer of the righteous. Proverbs fifteen twenty nine. Listen to me, friends. God is watching. That's what he's saying. The eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. Over the righteous. He's, he's, our, he's our God. He's our chief commander. He's our commander-in-chief, however you want to put it. He's the captain of our ship. He's not your co-pilot. He's your pilot. If you say God is my co-pilot, you need to switch seats. You're not running the show. Now, we might be running our mouths. We might be causing the problems. That's Yeah, that's when you're the pilot. But when you realize what that verse that I just read again, verse 12 of First of Peter 3, the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open to your prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. And I, like I said, Christian, you can do evil. You know you can. In your heart, you know you can. I know these guys, oh, I don't, no, I don't do that. You know, yeah, right. Uh, trust me, I'm 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 man. I know that I can do just as much evil as I can do good, and still call myself a Christian, even though that's not Christian behavior. The Christian behavior is not to do evil, not to do evil. Eschew evil. What's evil? Anything that's not godly. And who is he that will harm you if ye be followers of that which is good? Who is he that will harm you if ye be followers of that which is good? Verse 13, 
First Peter 3. I'll tell you who he is. It's a small he. It is the devil and his minions. He's the one who wants to harm you if you're a follower of that which is good. You follow God, and you have an enemy who's going to fight you tooth, nail, and claw every step of the way, constantly throwing things in your, in your path to cause you problems, constantly trying to get your mind off of doing your uh, Bible reading prayer or whatever, constantly pulling you in this. Oh, you, no, you're too busy for that today. If you're too busy for God, trust me, think about how busy he is, and he's never too busy for you. Verse 14. We may get through the whole chapter today. I don't know. But, and if you suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are you, or happy are ye, and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Let's see, we're rolling right along here. And, you know, I don't like to rush through anything, and I'm not. Uh, I'm just letting this thing flow as it flows. And it, it seems to be flowing very well to me. I have eight pages of notes here. <laughs> and I haven't really even looked at them. I'm just let, letting the Lord do it. Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason in, in the book of one of the books of Timothy, he, he says, be instant in season and out of season. That was Paul that wrote that Timothy, just be instant in season and out of season. Be ready. You may, you know, in season and out, you never know when you're going to be hit blindsided with some question that you can't answer, but be ready to answer questions. Be ready to give an account of why even when you're in prison, excuse me, when when you're in prison, you've been beaten with rods and tied to the stocks and told they're going to put you on a cross or told that you're going to have your head cut off or told that you're going to be stoned or told that you're going to be thrown off of the temple wall or pushed off onto an island of rocks spirit in India or whatever may happen be ready to give the reason of the hope that's in you wow that's what that's how these guys lived you know there's there's those ones that'll tell oh they knew they 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 wrote like Jesus was going to come back in their time but Peter knew he wasn't and Paul knew he wasn't they knew that they were going to die Peter was told when you're old, someone else is going to lift you up. In other words, you're going to get crucified. Just like me, Peter, is what Jesus was saying. So be able to, you know, even in knowing these things, even knowing that one day bad people are going to do bad things to you simply because you believe in a man named Jesus. 
Your whole family will turn against you. All your friends will turn against you. If you're in one of the denominations or the belief systems that denies the deity of Christ or replaces it with something else, and you switch to Christianity, you could be killed in some of them. And they call it mercy killing. Or was that right? Mercy killing, judgment killing, whatever. They're justified in what they do. Or they just kick you out of the family. We'll have nothing to do with you. Turn their back and say, see you later. It's rough sometimes. It's like my step-grandfather said one time, long time ago, we were sitting around the table talking about things and how, you know, sometimes you're called to do things that are, oh, they're not all that easy. Just because you're on the Christian walk. Well, why do, I, why do things have to be so hard? He says, well, you know, the Christian life is not always, the Christian walk is not always an easy one. In our flesh, when you have given yourself over to Christ, when you've, when you've turned your life around to him, when you've repented of your sins to him and decided, I'm going to follow him, I'm going to take up my cross daily and follow him, well, guess what? That's when things get a little hairy sometimes. It's not always easy. But you know, it's not that God's calling out you to go down this rough road alone. You're not alone. Jesus is always with you. It's people. It's people that cause the problem. I'm serious. I had eight pages of notes I have not touched. I was looking at one, though, that I wrote down here. Rendering evil for evil back there in verse 9. You know, if you if you look at it, you'll find that there's a lot of infighting in the denominations that we have in our, as Liz is saying, Western, Western Christianity. The Methodists are this, and the Baptists are that, and the Presbyterians are this. If we all just could get along, right? If we all could just get along. But, you know, we're too busy with our theology and our denominational doctrines. That's definitely for another day. I'm leaving it alone. Go back to the word, Tom, and just forget about your notes. Sanctify the Lord God in your heart and be ready always to answer to every man. Every man, not just one man here and there. See, there's a thing. What 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 if you're a, a Methodist and the Baptist wants to know, why do you believe that I can lose my salvation? Be able to answer that. And Baptist, you ought to be able to answer it too. And don't do it out of context. Do it in context. A lot of denominations are more contextual than others. Some of them are so literal. They literally, literally believe that John the Baptist was a Baptist. Well, it's funny, the church hadn't even been birthed yet when John the Baptist was killed. So he couldn't be of a specific denomination. And I'm sure the Methodists have their own thing too. Let's go on. Let's go on. 
verse 16. Having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you as evildoers, as of evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ, or your manner of living. Those that want to, that, uh, you know, you, you can have a good conscience. You can have, you can feel good about where you stand in Christ. You can feel good. Your conscience unseared, unseared conscience, a conscience that is given over to God, that when they speak evil of you, go ahead, go ahead, go for it. Tell people whatever you want about me. I only have one person that I have to worry about looking down upon me and saying, you did this wrong, you did that wrong, you did this wrong. That's God. That's Jesus. Let them falsely accuse you. Let them tear you apart. But in the end, when the truth comes out, and it always does, they will be ashamed those that falsely accuse you and your good manner, your good conversation, your manner of living in Christ Jesus, they will be the ones that are ashamed. Verse 17, For it is better if the will of God be so that ye suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. You, you may suffer for doing good things. It happens. Some people, when you do good things, they, they, they're like, well, what are you doing that for? Who do you think you are? I've had, I've had people, myself, we all have, who look upon you as, you know, overdoing well-doing. When you, and, you know, you can't. You can't overdo well-doing. When you're doing things good, you're doing things in the, in the way that God wants us to do them, then you really can't overdo it. Just keep doing what he says do, and you can't go wrong. Because it's far better for you to suffer their garbage for doing something nice than for doing it evil. Because sooner or later, if you do evil, that's going to catch up with you, isn't it? It always does. For Christ also, who hath suffered for sins that he didn't commit, the just for the unjust that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. That's 1 Peter 3.18. He suffered for our sins, not his own. He didn't sin. He's the just one. He's the upright one. We are the unjust that he might bring us to God before him, before the blood shed for us. We were so far away from God, he had to bring us to God. They put his flesh to death, but quickened his spirit. God raised him from the dead. Resurrection. By which he also went and preached unto the spirits in prison. We're going to have to stop there. That's where we're going to pick up the next time we come together, and hopefully it'll be soon. That's verse 19 of 1 Peter 3. And I'm stopping there because I hit an hour. I hit one hour. It goes by quick for me. 
I hope it does for you as well. We covered a lot of stuff here. We covered a lot of really deep things as well. Some things that sometimes they get used and abused. You know, verse 1, verse 1, wives submit yourselves therefore to your husbands. That's used incorrectly so often. They leave out little bits and pieces as Christ loved the church. You know, he's the head of the church, but does he abuse the church with that authority? No. We're the abusers down here. We are the ones who have everything laid out for us. Do this. Do it correctly. Follow it correctly. Your lives will be so much easier. But we'd rather do it our own way, go in the wrong direction, cause all kinds of problems. So we cover, like to say, a lot of area. And I'll, I got to really do some praying and some Bible reading again because. I didn't think I was going to go through it that quickly. But it felt right. It felt good. Till the next time, this is Tom Richardson with the Removing Confusion Podcast. Go out and vote tomorrow. You're listening to me tonight, which is the 7th. If it's later, then so be it. We need to stand fast in this country. We're going to lose it. It's already circling the drain spiritually. Christians, we can pull it back. Have a great day. Father, well, he's made.